Hey folks, and welcome to episode 31 of the Modern Agile Show. I am super thrilled to be here with my friend, Stas Zvinyatskovsky. <laughs> I think I got that right. Yes. It's Zvinyatskovsky here together with Keryevsky. <laughs> we, are, we are both from the Ukraine originally. So, I mean, I'm many yeah. generations, but you know, I can say this, you're, how many? Yeah, no, I moved born here. There. Yeah, I was born there. You were born there. Well, it's, you know what makes it hard? Is that the letters in my last name, they rearrange themselves every morning. Aha, uh -huh, So yes. I have to learn them every morning. Okay, well, I seem to pronounce it correctly. Zvinyatskovsky, I'll say it one more time. Zvinyatskovsky. And we are not drinking vodka today, so uh, that's... I don't know, there's a question mark here. Oh, and maybe you're drinking it. Yeah. We are here excited to talk a lot about some wonderful stories. Um, Stas has incredible stories. He's a very experienced practitioner um, in Lean and Agile, and um, he's been helping big, big companies for years, yes. doing really important work. So uh, we let's. Where do we start? The tar pit. Uh, let's start with the tar pit. <laughs> Stas uh, told an incredible story that just stuck with me and I loved it so much that I had to like write my own version and, and get him to approve it because I wanted to share it. Um, he, so what did you call it? Uh, so we called it uh, pulling an elephant out of a tar pit. Pulling an elephant out of a tar pit. That was a number of years ago. Yes. Right? Uh, and you're allowed to talk about this, right? Because you, you, you talked about this publicly already. Yeah, so this was uh, Agile 2015. My friend Ed Cray and I, we spoke at Agile 2015 conference. We told the story. We were at Yahoo at the time, and this was our story of transformation. Yahoo. So um, now, that time year, time of frame was, Yahoo was uh, serious trouble, right? Uh, that's right. As you know, the company actually did not survive. Um, the brand is still there, still serving a lot of very happy users. But um, we were going through some tumultuous times at the time. Yeah. And so we were you know, very honest about it. And we went through our transformation and talked about it at a very big conference. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of uh, very positive feedback. And this transformation was not anything like boring like a lot of transformations. This was a profound change, in my opinion. And I've been in this field a long time. I call it awful to awesome. And uh, yes, it didn't save the company. However, what they accomplished was absolutely awesome. From where you started, yeah. um, describe a little bit about like how bad it was. Yeah, so all of this is public and there's, there are videos and you can go and see the entire 90-minute presentation. But uh, where we started was just people were in constant pain, right? We were releasing quarterly, so f about four releases uh, per year struggling, you know, nights and weekends work, or just, death, you know, constant death marches. And where we ended up is in a much happier place. You know, the speed was through the roof. I think we were, uh, our time to market was probably the best out there at the end of that transformation. Quality was just amazing. Our production incidents dropped by 80%. And, but what's more important to me is that the people's lives have changed dramatically. Yeah. Right. Well, instead of chasing bugs nights and weekends you know if they told me i went to uh, to school for computer science if they told me that would be my job uh, i would have reconsidered my choices maybe it would oh be. yeah it's miserable every single day you're fighting bugs you're, you're working weekends yeah. you told me a story too that that an engineer would come in they'd say to their manager i'm done with my work yes 
And then the manager would say, well, great, but we're waiting for the other 59 programmers to integrate their work. And so yep. maybe on like, in several days, we'll all have a build. Yep. And then they do the build, finally, at the end of the week. And nothing works. Nothing works. And then yep. the people would work the weekend and then try again on Monday. It was miserable. It's miserable. Uh, but then where we ended up is just much happier place. Happy people. You walk the halls and people are smiling. And that was continuous deployment. And uh, I think uh, continuous delivery was the biggest needle mover for us. Yes. Right. So you guys actually went from like just almost no tests and terrible build processes, no integration or continuous integration, just merging hell uh, to continuous delivery. Uh, correct. So our motto was um, no human intervention. This is post after the code is authored, reviewed, merged, no human intervention between uh, that and production. So I, I would call that continuous deployment myself. Um, yeah. Because to continuous delivery, you have to have a human press a button to say, okay, go. Sure. Um, whatever. Sure. It doesn't yep. matter. It's very close to being the same thing. So that how long did that take from when you started that effort to when you were actually really doing continuous delivery, continuous deployment? I know you said that every single product at Yahoo that was still being touched, meaning that code changes were still being made to it, went on this journey. And at the yeah. end, they all were continuously deploying. Yeah, well, it's, it's amazing that it's seven years later, we're still, we're still talking about it. <laughs> but because it's such a great story. And so the way it started, though, it started with us trying many, many, many different things and failing. We just couldn't wait, find our way over the tar pit. And meanwhile, you know, competition is running circles all around the tar pit. And Lots of other search engines that we've heard of, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and eventually we saw that this uh, continuous integration made made a difference for several teams. CI, just CI. CI just yeah. basic CI. And so just mathematically we figured out that hey, if we extend it further all the way to production, it's it will make a bigger difference. And so we tried it on a bigger set of teams. And that just that was just magical. Yeah. Right. And yeah. all those iterations probably took a year or two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And once we got to that point and saw the results, then we decided to go across the company. Mm -hmm. And the company push took well, we went through several milestones, but the final push to automate took about nine months. Okay, and was there resistance to this? Of course, with any change, there is resistance. So, what kind of what kind of uh, resistance happened? Because, as I recall, you saying there were some people that were fairly dead set against CD, continuous delivery, continuous deployment. Well, it, with so what we're looking at is we're looking at a complete cultural change. The people life is changed, people's life is changing, the values are changing, behaviors are changing, uh, the language is changing, right? And the expectations and goals and everything is changing. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's scary, right? When you don't know what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. And there is probably with any change, and now I'm working with a lot of companies and doing um, a lot of changes. Uh, with any change, there is probably 20, 25% of people that can be con uh, convinced by doing something new, they're perhaps motivated by doing something new, and they will be there at the starting line waiting, not even waiting for you. And just Early adopters. Early adopters. Uh, then there's probably another 50% of the companies you can probably convince through your standard program management practices, goals, milestones, and con constantly following up, right? And Eventually, you'll, you'll get there. And then there are people that will never move in until, unless you tell them you, you absolutely have to move. Right. 
So in, in taking the elephant out of the tar pit, um, what did you experience? Well, so what we experienced is, is that, except we really didn't have the time to, uh, well, we started with standard program management practices and we saw the goal, the milestones slipping. And so uh, ended up going in a very changing approach to being very aggressive, mm -hmm. going with short term aggressive goals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which toward, worked, towards CD or towards CD, yeah, yeah. Uh, which worked out really well mm -hmm. uh, because first of all, you you're actually seeing progress, yeah, every month, yeah. but then also it builds confidence mm -hmm. uh, in a place for teams that felt like nothing will ever change. Yeah, after the first milestone, they you know they get they get their hopes up, and then after the second milestones, they believe in themselves. Right, and then well, that that made a lot of a lot of difference because you could progressively get more and more aggressive mm -hmm. and people will respond and they will get motivated. And so I think we, we saw a lot of uh, resistance early on in the early milestones, yeah. but as we got to subsequent milestones, it got progressively easier. Mm -hmm. That's great. So early on it might have taken a lot, people were a little bit more, uh, I, as I recall, you were saying there were some people that said, no way in hell am I going to do CD. Yeah. Um, it's crazy talk, it's stupid, we'll never do it. And they were, th those were the major resistors. Yeah, yeah. And sub sometimes the most, um, the, the easiest teams to deal with are the teams in trouble, right? Because yeah. they're very open to other ideas. Mm -hmm. And if a team is really efficient in doing what they're doing and they're meeting their goals, yes. there is really no good incentive for them to change. And even though you're promising them, hey, you'll be five times faster and your quality is going to be so much better, mm -hmm. there is really no. N yes no factors, external factors that force them to change. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I, um, I, I think the things to highlight here that I see differently from most transformations, or, or not all, this particular transformation was dealing with a company in a perilous business situation, a real need to aggressively make uh, changes so that the company can be more nimble, more agile from a business perspective. Yeah. Getting to continuous delivery, continuous deployment was a key part of that. And so you had to be aggressive in moving in that direction. Yes, and absolutely. It, and it took a couple of years, I think, eventually to get all the systems on, on to? Well, th the final push was nine months. Nine so months, yeah. um, we probably were at 25% before that, maybe even lower. Yeah. And we were very binary too, because we would say you're either there, you're either fully automated or you're not. Right. 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 So that, that was also a very critical decision mm -hmm. point for us, mm -hmm. whether to accept 95% done or 99% done, yeah. which in my experience, 99% done means <laughs> you've got a ways to you're go. You're not done. <laughs> you have ways to go. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so no, today you're working with all kinds of companies, helping them with transformations. What are you finding out there? Well, so I'm now with Accenture Solutions IQ and I'm uh, working with a lot of companies to help them with, with their concept to cash value stream. Yes. So uh, anything starting from architecture, so modern architectures, decoupled architectures, reactive architectures, to um, operating models, roles and responsibilities, organizational setup, to coding, to delivery, to operations, to agile and learning processes on top. Mm -hmm. And so we find companies um, at different levels of maturity, mm -hmm. right? We still have companies that are trying to, are just now realizing that um, software engineering is, cannot be ignored. Yes. You know, for many years, you know, if I'm a, a traditional company, I've been treating IT as something, as my back office. Yes. They're the people that run, you know, my cash registers and email systems. And then IT became an enabler 
for those companies, mm -hmm. and now it is their business. Yeah. Right. Uh, and really, there is no reason to separate yourself from companies here in Silicon Valley. Right. Right. So when I, people ask me, "Hey, but I get it. It works for Facebook or it works for Netflix, but I'm different." But the reality is that everybody is a software company now. Right. Mark Mark Andreessen's uh, software is eating the world. Yeah. So we know that. We have to be on top of that. We have to run the company as if it were a software development company. Yeah, absolutely. And so co companies are in different points in their journey. Yeah. Some are a little bit more mature. Some are just starting mm. and going through the same struggles as we've all gone through. And so the good news is that you can learn from all the mistakes that we've made in the past 20 years. Yes. And you can get there faster and more efficiently and cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also requires some you know, learning. Yeah. So it sounds like you're taking a... Um, a lean concept from concept to cash. That's, yes, that's what you're going in with to try to, of course, shorten that time, that lead time. Yes. And uh, but you're, I think you do bring a very technical and, and software engineering perspective to it, saying, hey, if we're really going to do this, shorten the concept to cash. We'd better get our software development practices in, in order. Well, yes. Yeah, so the way I view it is, if you look at concept to cash value stream, yes, we used to optimize it for efficiency. Right um, from you know late 19th century with Frederick Taylor, right, and we got really good at it, right, and it worked for us for many years in software engineering, until we figured out actually to me the biggest change that happened was uh, the internet, mm -hmm. because you could go onto production server, modify a line of code or a character, mm -hmm. and it's in production immediately, right, as opposed to you know in the 80s we used to ship software on discs, and how often can you do that? Maybe mm -hmm. three times a year, right. And so now that you can do this so quickly and your batch is so small, you can actually start to experiment and learn. And we have companies that are learning fast, moving fast, and eating everybody else's uh, lunch. Yes. And so the cost of inefficiency is now outwe outweighed by the cost of um, delay. Yes. And so for many, many companies, they need to figure out how to move faster. And mm -hmm. so instead of optimizing that entire uh, uh, concept to cash value stream to for efficiency, you can yes. now optimize it for flow of value. Yes. Right. And once you say that, and you start applying theory of constraints, what's stopping my value, my flow of value? Number one is coupling. Right. And coupling takes multiple forms, so it's technical coupling. So that's why decentralized decoupled architecture. Uh, then it's uh, execution coupling. Mm. So we talk about decentralized organization, which mm. brings in a lot of. Uh, decentralized type of governance. How do you govern? How was your operating model in a decentralized organization? Mm -hmm. uh, now you start looking at these decentralized units. What's stopping them? What's what's slowing them down? And part of it is like throwing stuff over the wall and separation of duties. Uh, another part is just software delivery is slow and error prone. And mm -hmm. so you start automating it. And uh, then you start building quality in. And all of these traditional lean concepts come into play. And so now, We've been talking about DevOps and continu continuous delivery and um, Agile, and all of these were disparate uh, disciplines, but now you can actually, now they come together in this overall concept of lean, overall paradigm of lean software engineering. Yes, yes. Right, and they start making sense. Yes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, we found finding lean concepts are so applicable to any Agile initiative, whether it's uh, in the software field or not. Uh, and as you're saying, you're optimizing the value flow. You're optimizing learning. How quickly can we learn? You know, uh, modern agile says, experiment and learn rapidly. Yep. You know, and if we can optimize our learning in this part here, then we're going to be able to deliver value far faster. 
So these principles uh, are, are sort of leading us in that direction. Um, this to us, the, this horizontal part here, we call it, uh, you know, this is the Kaizen, this is the continuous improvement. Yep. Um, and we look at this part here, the make people awesome and make safety prerequisite more along the lines of how are we helping our customers? How are we respecting them? How are we, are we respecting each other? So um, that's, that's what we look at. But Lean um, is alive and well all these decades later, even though it started in the automotive field. Right, uh, where you actually knew what you were building up front. Right, exactly. It's a, it's a changed world. Well, hey, um, thank you so much for coming. This has been a pleasure Absolutely. talking with you, and uh, I hope to have you back sometime. So it's been great. Thank you so it. much. Okay. Over and out. If you like this show, please uh, share with others, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on more episodes soon.